Hello, and welcome to the Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. Recently, I did an episode that was dedicated to questions from particular listeners. And I would like to continue that here because I'm actually getting quite a few questions, which I love because it means I'm addressing things you're actually interested in. So the question I would like to address today comes from Donna Muma. In a fairly recent exchange with Donna, she mentioned that she would love to hear an episode about who I think are the best movie villains and why. Because according to Donna, she thought that I could understand certain aspects of a villainous character that perhaps she couldn't understand because she's never taken any acting classes. Or perhaps I might understand how to become the villain where she feels she only understands how to build one. So this is a really great question or suggestion for an episode because next to your hero, the villain character is the most important character to develop. A lot of writers will spend time crafting a great hero, but then they have a bumbling buffoon for a villain. And there's a number of reasons for this that I won't go into right now. The point is that a lot of people have difficulty building a worthy opponent. To that end, I'd like to spend some time deconstructing what in fact makes a good villain. Now, to launch into this topic, I would like to share with you some of my favorite villains. Keep in mind, these are not going to be on the AFI's top villains of all time list. These are personal favorites. Nevertheless, I think you will find that they might have been your personal favorites also, if indeed you've seen any of these films. And so I'm going to share with you some of my favorite villains, and then I'd like to talk about why. Why are these some of my favorite villains? For example, as I was thinking through this, one of the first people that came to mind, of course, is Hannibal Lecter. Now, Hannibal Lecter might be the best villain of all time, and for a variety of reasons that we'll explore in a bit. But here are some other ones. What about Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber in Die Hard? He's a wonderful villain. Or what about Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Honestly, he practically stole that film, and we may have even wanted to see that film because of him. Not because of Kevin Costner as the lead, but because of him. He was such a wonderful villain. And of course, who can forget Alan Rickman as Professor Snape, right? In the Harry Potter series. Brilliant, brilliant villain. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Alan Rickman fan, which I am. But there are other characters. The Terminator. My goodness, it launched a franchise. It was so good. What about Rucker Hauer as Roy Batty in Blade Runner? Brilliant villain. Or Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino in The Godfather. Again, he is a wonderful villain. Some of the others that come to mind. Dracula. If Dracula was not such a great villain, we wouldn't have an entire genre of stories dedicated to vampires. It started with Dracula. He was such a fascinating villain that it spawned an entire genre. Recently, I rewatched Joker, 
with Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm telling you, it is brilliant. If you have not seen it yet, it is so good. And it is so heartbreaking. It is so tragic what happens to that character. But he is one of the great villains in comic book history. Some of the other ones that came to mind as I was just trying to think, who did I love to hate? That was the question I was asking myself. Who did I love to hate? And I thought about Brian Dennehy, who played Sheriff Cobb in Silverado. Did you happen to see that film? Or Jeff Goldblum in the same film. He was also a bad guy, but you know what? We love to hate Brian Dennehy. Jeff Goldblum, we just hated. The same dynamic occurred in Unforgiven, where you have Little Bill played by the great Gene Hackman versus Richard Harris, who played English Bob. Now, English Bob, we mostly just hated, but Little Bill, there was something more hateable, maybe, but also more lovable. He was more complex. We were invested in him in some way. I thought about one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Alien and the sequel, Aliens. And who were the big bads in that? Well, the corporation, actually, the company. Now, of course, in the first movie, it's Ash, who we find out is an android who has secretly been ordered by the company to bring back the alien and that the crew is expendable. So by the climax of the film, when Ripley finally figures out what's going on, she confronts him, he tries to kill her. Then he is hit over the head by a different crew member. His head rolls away, which is when we realize he is an android. And then he mocks them in a voice that is completely devoid of morality or compassion or anything human at all, at which time they incinerate him. But he was creepy and we hated him, but he was such a great villain. What about Mr. Smith in The Matrix? What a great villain. And he was a computer also, right? Almost bored and annoyed at the plague of human existence. Clearly, the MCU universe tapped into a great villain in Thanos, who was the great big bad in all the Avengers films. So, what do all of these characters have in common? If you were to try to think through what makes these characters great, what makes them wonderful villains, what makes them worthy foes, the AFI defines a villain as a character whose wickedness of mind, selfishness of character, and will to power are sometimes masked by beauty and nobility, while others may rage unmasked. So in other words, what AFI is saying is that, well, sometimes great villains who have these three traits, wickedness, selfishness, and a lust for power, sometimes they mask those traits with so-called beauty or nobility, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just enraged and they don't have those things at all. So that doesn't actually help us. I disagree with the AFI's definition of a villain. The AFI goes on to say they can be horribly evil or grandiosely funny. 
but they are ultimately tragic. Now that's an interesting thing. The AFI says that they are ultimately tragic, but it doesn't give any qualifications or any criteria for why they would conclude that. I would like to offer that yes, while there are some villainous characters who are wicked or who are selfish and or who lust for power, such as the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, there is something else going on. There is something else behind those things. And I would like to submit to you that at the end of the day, it comes down to a twisted morality. Villains are characters who operate on a twisted morality because in many cases they are deceived or they have experienced such horrible suffering or trauma of their own that it has twisted their morality and given them the belief that they just have to take what they want. The world is unjust and therefore it is right for me to take these things for myself because the world treated me horribly. Ironically, I would almost argue that every single character here is operating out of some kind of misguided sense of justice. So what that means is when it comes to creating a great villain, the place to start is motivation. What motivates your villain? And it needs to be real and it needs to be true and it needs to be connected to some sort of traumatic past or twisted morality that has developed out of their past. People need a reason to do things. Nobody does evil things just to be evil. If people do evil things, it's because in their mind they have justified the evil thing as being okay. It's okay because of this. It's okay because of this. Look at some of the great villains on television. Dexter. He's a serial killer, but what has he done? Well, he only kills other serial killers or he only kills bad guys, right? So that therefore is justified in his mind. It comes down to motivation, but also a reason. They need to have a justifiable reason for their particular point of view. Everybody does things for a reason. And what happens is we don't think through the mythology of their logic. In other words, you need to think through why they are doing the things they're doing and how come they think it's okay. Keep in mind, villains don't see themselves as villains. They often see themselves as the victim. They are being wronged by everybody else. They are misunderstood and by God, they feel justified to perpetrate against others because they've been so victimized. And that makes it okay. Now, going back to all of these villains that I have mentioned, some of my favorite villainous characters out there, every single one of them has what I've just said. They have a flawed moral worldview. They're operating on a twisted morality. They are deceived. And therefore, the best villainous characters have good qualities too. It's why they can be so confusing. Look at Hannibal Lecter. What did he do? He actually respects Agent Starling. 
So he doesn't go after her. He has this weird nobility at the end of the day, which we respect him for. They can be confusing because they are not one thing. They're often torn on some level. They're often sympathetic. That isn't the case with some of the computer-oriented bad guys, such as the Terminator. What makes the Terminator such a wonderful villain is that it is so relentlessly clear-cut. There is no emotional turmoil. There is no inner conflict that is dividing his loyalties, which makes him a formidable foe. So we love him for a slightly different reason. And yet, If you go back to the mythology of that world as a whole, what we know is that the computers became self-actualized and realized that the greatest threat to humanity was humanity, and therefore they had to wipe them out. So it still had a reason. This is actually the same sort of philosophy guiding Thanos. What was Thanos thinking? At the crux of it was a desire to minimize suffering on a massive scale. He thought he was doing a good thing. And you know what? People are acting on a similar principle. It's an ethical position that is actually being espoused today. And there's a great blog post about it on a blog called philosimplicity.com which is philosophy made simple. And what he talks about is something called negative utilitarianism. So where utilitarianism is an ethical position that says we should seek actions that maximize happiness for the greatest number of people, negative utilitarianism says that we should seek out actions that minimize suffering for the greatest number of people. We suffer more then we experience pleasure. Therefore, our greatest obligation is to reduce suffering. Pleasure would be a happy accident, but it's not a moral obligation for us to produce, whereas it is a moral obligation for us to reduce suffering. Well, when you look at it this way, all of a sudden, Thanos' motives turn out to be sort of noble. He even says, I'm the only one with the strength of will to do what must be done. And it grieves him to do a lot of the things he's doing. It grieves him to sacrifice the one person he loves. And of course, it turns out the fastest way to reduce suffering is to eliminate anyone who can suffer. It is actually quite a dangerous philosophical position that frankly, Christians ought to be addressing because it's becoming more prevalent in the world. Thanos is not the only one who believes this. Thanos becomes a benevolent world exploder. He controls a weapon that was capable of instantly and painlessly destroying the human race, and he felt morally obligated to use it. And there are many people that would agree which is frightening. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that more than I just have, except for to say, notice that Thanos has a very reasonable philosophy behind what he's doing. He thinks he's the hero of the story, which again brings us back to what makes a great villain. 
Well, it's the same thing as what makes a great hero. It comes down to motivation. What motivates them? They need a reason to be doing the things they're doing. You must justify their actions. And the best villains have some sort of twisted morality upon which they are operating that can make sense. See, that's the thing. You've got to give them an argument that makes sense. They can't just be crazy. I mean, they can be because often it is crazy, but in some weird way, it must make sense. If it doesn't make sense, nobody would ever buy into it. But the best villains would have a philosophy where you can kind of go, well, I can kind of see that. And it would be very easy to deceive people into thinking that that could be the right thing. Isn't that what Satan does? And isn't he the best, greatest, most hateful villain of all? except for that he actually exists. His primary way of operating is to deceive people because he himself is operating out of a flawed morality. But in addition to that, all of the characters that I've mentioned here are smart and clever. They're brilliant even because they must be worthy opponents. Your villains cannot be idiots. They can't be weak at heart. Now they can have a physical disability that makes them appear weak, but the truth is they have strength of character that makes them dangerous, that makes them frightening. Villains ought to be focused, relentless, clear thinking, and on some level, sympathetic. I love in the Joker how he never meant to start a social movement. That was not his intention. He was simply crying out for help. And yet he spawned a social movement. And ironically, that's what gave him the attention he needed because society had forgotten him. Society had left him behind. Society had dismissed him as being of no value and of no consequence. He was a joker. He was a clown. And that's how he ultimately became a symbol of this particular social movement. So again, when you are constructing a villain, it is my opinion that there are three essential elements. First of all, they must have a worthy motivation. You must justify why they're doing the things they're doing. But two, their thought process is twisted. They have a twisted morality usually because of some traumatic past. And three, they must be a worthy opponent, smart, clever, ruthless, excellent, just as heroes must have one superpower that they are excellent at something that they can do better than anybody else. So must your villains have one superpower, something that they do better than anybody else only it's used according to this twisted morality, which is why they are so dangerous and why they must be stopped. I hope that this has given you some ideas for your own work in progress. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and you are interested in more resources like it, please go to our website, www.thestorytellersmission.com and sign up for our digest, the Storytellers Digest. And you're sort of on the inside track of all things Storytellers Mission related. 
In the meantime, I want to thank you so much for listening to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe. May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.